Hey, it's another Dax episode. I, it was a good Dax episode-ish. I, I have to say, I, I like this episode, but I also feel like it's a little bit of a missed opportunity. That, I, that's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, number one, the fact that, I mean, out of all of the... Out of all of the actors, just the special effects, you know, this is our, I guess, weekly Nana Visitor appreciation moment, but, um, I mean, she does the best job of being somebody completely different. Yes. You know, even, like, her, like, eyes look different, you know, in this. Um, everything, you know, she's just, you know, that scene was, and it's this quick five-minute scene. Um, you know, Rene Aubergeonois the second best, and, of course, he becomes the kind of focal character of this episode, but... You know, yeah, I wanted to see more of Kira as this old lady. Yeah, I think that's my major problem with facets is that there's well, there's there's too many past hosts, and you can't really give them yeah. all. I mean, they're really not in it for more than a minute or two, except for Curzon and and, and I guess Duran. And and Duran we'll talk about because I don't like the way that they handle Duran at all. It's it's it basically yeah. turned into like some sort of parody of Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, and it's yeah, just yeah. not very imaginative <laughs> or interesting. But I mean, you know, not to say that that um, uh, Avery Brooks doesn't do a good job with no. it. I think that he's probably the second best after after Nana Visitor in in portraying someone else. But yeah, I feel like it's an interesting concept. I like the idea of the ritual. I like the idea that Dax is kind of putting it off because she is kind of, I guess, scared to deal with Duran in a way. But it's and also, to deal with Curzon a bit too, and to deal with Curzon a bit too. Sure. But I think that it, it does kind of feel a little anticlimactic because you don't get to see most of the hosts for more than a minute or two because, of course, the real plot of the episode doesn't start until about 20 or 25 minutes in when Curzon appears. Yeah, I mean, for when – see, they, they the setup that I thought it would be, I thought it was going to be like the seven of them having a party, you know, and just kind of all – and interacting with each other too. That like, would have been interesting. That would have been, yeah, very interesting, maybe a little difficult to – you know, pick up because you have to not only establish seven characters very quickly, but also, uh, you know, have us kind of overriding each of, you know, the characters as we know it. But, um, and I feel like, you know, paradoxically enough, I feel like this would have been an episode that would have been handled better on a show of, of the 2010s because the, one of the problems with it is that I don't really have a good sense of who a lot of her previous hosts are. I don't really get a sense of how they're informing Dax as a person. And they do a little bit of lip service in that yeah. in this episode talking about how, you know, she gets her, her hand holding behind her back from one of her, you know, yeah. from Audra, for example. And but, again, you know, she gives a very good, you know, and this is Nana Visitor's, you know, performance again speaking, but we get a sense of who she is, you know, who who that host is. We get a very, you know, and we get little bits, but... Yeah, I mean, part of it is when O'Brien is as Tobin. I mean, O'Brien is bad as Tobin. I mean, it's fine, but but I... you know, thinks he re- you can tell like he just can't really handle more than that very quick scene and very you know he's only a couple of they reduce him to ticks and mathematics and which is what they do to most of them and i think yeah. that that's one of the reasons why they probably don't come off as well as they could have otherwise yeah. because instead of coming off as fully realized people they come across as a collection of ticks you're right and it's just i don't know it's not that interesting i mean the 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 character that's played by lita um who i don't know if you've noticed but this is her second appearance in i the was show. so i was about to so when I turn this vid- this uh, episode on, um, so you have, um, you know, Bashir talking, oh, Lita, and, you know, I got it, you know, and I'm like, wait, who the hell is Lita? And right. then, like, did I miss something? And I looked, and 
you know, it said season three, episode 25, and I forgot that that was where we are. I was like, oh, shit, I'm not that far. Like, did I skip? I skipped a season, and, you know, no, I was... Like, <laughs> oh, God, we forgot to watch the second season. You know, like, yeah, I feel like, you know, okay, God, I skipped a season, like, and they added this character lead to that, like, obviously, you know... I don't know who – and then I realized, like, no, this is actually where it is. It felt like there was missing information for me. Who the hell is she? She's a person. I mean, she's just there. <laughs> she she was only in one other episode. I forget which one she was in, but it wasn't that long ago, uh, maybe two or three episodes ago. She didn't leave enough of an she impression. She doesn't really leave much of an impression. I actually like the way that they deal with her because um, she just kind of is there. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, maybe it would have been – maybe if they had had one or two – you know – you could very easily have a, you know, right? I think she mentioned she's a Dabo girl, so you could very easily write in a quick convo or two between Dax and her, you know, seated throughout the season because they've done things like that before, yeah. And um, you know, because I didn't know who she was, and well, and you know, now now that you say that, it kind of makes me a little bit suspicious that Dax had these seven characters as the closest people that she knew on the sh- on the on the station yeah. because you know Dax has been portrayed in the past couple seasons as as a very sort of bon vivant character is very fun loving yeah. you know and and she wouldn't have other i mean she has Lita of course but she wouldn't have other friends besides these people i mean, I mean like know, i never part- really got the sense that she felt that close to O'Brien for example yeah there's things like that you know you can Kira certainly Cisco certainly oh yeah um Julian, of course. I think you Quark know? too. Quark, yeah, I was going even Quark. Yeah, um, they have fun together. They play Tongo together. I mean, you know that yeah. makes sense to me. You know, it's largely it's a case of you know economy. These people were already on the set that day, and we know who they are already. And you know, most of them. I mean, certainly not Lita, but but you know, in that case, it seemed that. I don't know. Maybe they established that that uh, host had been a gymnast, and so they had to hire somebody who could do a cartwheel. You know, well, that's true. That it seems like that was the entire reason they had Lita on the on the set. You know, <laughs> yeah, that could be. I mean, I guess you could kind of shortcut it and say, oh well, Dax spends a lot of time in Quark, yeah. so she would know Lita. I mean, it's not really that important, but I guess it's just it's a case of the show has demonstrated that. It's known when certain things were going to happen, you know, for example, in back in season one that, um, you know, the Bajoran woman who was working for O'Brien, they had her on one or two episodes just a little beforehand just to show her we know who she is, you know, she has a presence, you know, she had – there was a particular conversation between her and O'Brien that I had remembered, so when, yeah. you know, it gets revealed, it does have a – you know – it would have again. It would have been easy to have a two minute co- conversation between Dax and Lita, you know, where they're just at. Oh, where's Quark today? Oh, well, you know, la, la, you know that kind. Anyway, and I think, and I think it does kind of show the limitations of the storytelling of the time because, of course, of course. this is a show that is much more serialized in its approach than than TNG ever was. Certainly, like we've said before, but at the same time, it is yeah. still. You know, this isn't what television did back then, and so it's it's not completely understood, and and it is it does feel a little discreet sometimes. And I mean, there, you know, I there think we'll a- also have a good example of that with the character of of Commander Eddington um, when we talk about the adversary as well, yeah. because that's another character that was in a couple of other episodes. Yeah, and he doesn't really make much of an impression. I was so, about to say, well, uh, with the, the point I'll make is that's the first time knowing his name, right? So. And I think, I don't know, the other problem I have with Facets is that it doesn't really tell us much about Jedzia Dax. You know, I mean, well, uh, it, it's, it's, she's still a character that I have trouble getting a handle on. And I think, yeah. that the show, I mean, to be frank, I don't think the show ever really figures her out. I think mm. we've said that before. We've had conversations about Jedzia before. And, you know, it's, 
I think that this ritual should have been a lot cooler. I think yes. that it, it should have felt really important. It should have felt like she was learning things about herself. But, you know, and, and putting aside the whole thing about, like, transferring memories and then suddenly these people are alive. I mean, you just kind of have to go with that. Yeah, but of course. It's, it's, you know, let's talk about Duran. I think Duran's a perfect example of what a missed opportunity it is. Yeah. Because, you know, that was a very powerful episode earlier in the season where we find out that da- – I mean, that was a really good episode. Yeah. Where we find out that Dax had this memory block that, that you know, Jadzia, it was breaking down and she was having these yeah. creepy memories and these creepy sort of waking dreams. And and sort of reckoning with that and having to integrate this new personality and mm-hmm. these new memories into herself. And I was really hoping for more than your bog standards, like, sociopath. Yeah, I mean, I'm cliche. very glad that, you know, the that is a hard left for the episode to take. It is setting it, you know, it, it's it's a bit of misdirection, you know. They, they're setting up the entire time, oh, Duran, we got to, you know, take precautions for Duran, you know that's what he's going to try and do. Like, it's going to be bad. Like what's going to happen. And you know, all of the precautions that they take turn out to work, you know, when he tries something for a second, I thought they were going to have, okay, well this is, you know, Cisco really didn't break through. And this is Duran pretending to be Cisco pretending, you know, like, but, but it's, it's weird though, because, you know, and I, I I do like the fact that there's no real question that, that Jadzia just, I mean, she just takes him out. It's not a problem. Right. Yeah. I like that that she's shown is very competent. We also see that she is, you know, we've seen her kind yeah. of um, um, do physicality before, and so it makes sense. She's very young and she's yeah. in good shape, and she, you know she's a strong woman. But uh, and she, the, she works for Starfleet. She knows, you know, she gets her training, <laughs> right? But but on the other hand, I don't know why Duran would act like this. You know, that's kind of the problem with it, where it feels like they had a. It feels like a bad Star Wars, like a, a bad ripoff of Star Wars. You know, this is he's trying to get her to go to the dark side. You know, get your power from you know me being a murderer. That's basically what he's tempting her to do. I and yes, I don't. And, know. I mean, and that just, was stupid. That's that's just not the well, right? Because like there was a sense that all of the other hosts were actually acting like the people that they were, and Joran, I mean. I don't re- I mean he was able to live in a society he was able to like you know be joined and go to a music academy and 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 sort of live his life and all of these things. I mean are we just to assume that well and now, now I have a question. Did Curzon meet uh Duram during his uh ritual? No, remember because the memory block was in place at that point. Okay, so so this is the first time that anyone has seen Duran. Then that Duran has participated in this thing, which is see, like you know, you understand. You, so are you going to say like Duran might calm down? <laughs> like no, like like <laughs> when Jadzia eventually dies at some point, and then you know they they do the other ritual like twenty or thirty years later. Yeah, and- I don't know. Like he, he seems a little too you know comfortable with. I mean, like, you can see the older, you know, host, you know, knowing, like, exactly, like, you know, the, um, what is it, Kira's, what, what is the first one? Uh, I think it's, her name is Audra. Leela? Leela? Lita? No, that's Lita. Anyway, Kira's post. No, Leela. Leela. It is Leela. Leela. It's a little confusing. Um, you know, Leela. Audra this, was Quark. This is the seventh time Leela has done this, you know? So yeah. she knows what's going on and she knows, she knows she can explain this, uh, and she knows to what degree, you know, anything is. I don't know. I, I guess Joram looks a little too confident for his first time out. But, you know, I, I... I mean, I guess you could say, okay, he's taking full advantage of being out again. And yeah. You know, I'm sure, okay. But, but, you know, here's the thing. It also, 
It's not interesting if Duran is just evil. Right. It's not interesting if Duran is just evil. It's just, it's a cliche. It's like, oh, yeah. this is the big bad of the episode and he's spooky. It's like, okay, but I what mean, does that tell us about anything, really? He is more interesting as uncontrolled power, as, you know, as madness, as sin, as something that, you know, represents something that, you know, ja- you know, Dax has done in the past that cannot be undone and, you know, consequences that must be reckoned with. And, what the episode where he, you know, they first introduced the character was definitely ended on that note mm-hmm, of Jadzia mm-hmm. is trying to, you know, reconcile this part of herself, and that's a much more interesting take on the character. This is just well, he, he's he's the devil, and then she's got the devil in him in her, right? And it's just not interesting. And also, what does it tell us about Dax? And I think that's that's the larger question behind facets that I always get stuck on is what is this really telling us about Jadzia Dax? You know, we are to assume that she is supposed to, her personality is kind of a, a, a collection and a, and a blending of all of these different personalities and memories. I don't see it. I mean, I, I don't, you know, on the yeah. very the very bottom line of it is, I, I don't really understand what we're supposed to get out of this. And I and I un, I like the fact that, you know, I think that you could definitely see a version of this episode that was about Duran getting loose and, you know, yeah. and, and, and that would have been the episode. And I like the fact that it's like, no, you know what? They take precautions when he gets out, Dax deals with it at the end, yeah. you know, and that's fine. I, I like that. Yeah, but, it turns out to actually be about Curzon, you know. Which we will engage with, of course. Yeah. But... It's at the end of the day, I'm just kind of left with a very what if, you know, it's it's a it's a concept episode that's kind of in search of a meaning. Yeah, I mean, and again, we, you know, let's talk about stakes. This is for the stakes are small and not that very interesting. It's not like at least Jaram running amok on the on the station is something exciting, you know? Yeah. Well, and then, too, I mean, you know, this this isn't a long line of Dax episodes that really are not about Dax in any real way. Yeah. You know, this is ostensibly an episode about her finding out more about her past of the Dax and beyond and how these kind of memories and personalities are informing the ways in which she carries herself and her yeah. interests and passions in life. But, again, she's just kind of shunted off to the side for most of the episode. You know, it, you've got a 15-minute montage of her dealing with the other personalities, with Quark and with Bashir yeah. and with O'Brien and all these people. And, yeah, the Quark scene is funny and, you know, whatever. But it's now, the individual scenes mostly are well done, but they don't really add up to more than the sum of their parts. Yeah. And then, you know, once you get to the Curzon stuff, it really doesn't become about that Jadzia Dax at all. It becomes about Curzon and Odo. Yeah. And, you know, it's... What you know? What are you supposed to do with that? It doesn't say anything about her. It's it's kind of it's another example of the show othering her in a sense. It's just yeah, kind of like making an episode about her, but not really about her. I mean, there and I would say you know she almost seems to have realized that. Like there is the point when you know she basically says to Cisco, like, "Look, Odo, and you know if Odo and Curzon are happy with this, whatever, I'm done." Like. I, I think there's an it, there, she's kind of sick of being alienated in her own episodes. That's almost the subtext in there. Uh, yeah, I could see that. But I also think that there's another subtext going on there, which is that the, the, the sort of stubbornness and the passion of, of, of Curzon is gone from her. And That's so true. she's just kind of rolling over because she actually doesn't have it anymore. But, you know, as it turns out, she does still have it, you know, because she is able to. Um, and, I mean, they make it clear, you know, the, the, the show... And, you know, this this episode in the series in general make clear that she does have 
a strong will on her own. I mean, this is somebody who pre-Dax was, you know, reapplied to the Academy, you know, and, and, you know, each one, you know, Leela, for example, is definitely very strong-willed and stubborn. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, Tobin, even as meek as he is, has a very, you know, dogged determination, you know, for, you know, um, even the even the Quark persona, which, you know, gets, seems to get a lot of, you know, joy from motherhood. That's still a pretty, you know, mm-hmm. something you need to. So, I, I, I mean, I, I think, but I, but what does that do? Right, right. I guess. Well. I, I, like, I'm not leading to a point, I guess. Well, I don't think the episode is, so I think you're just kind of following along with that. Well, let's talk about Curzon, though, because I, it does it does have something to do, I think, with it's it's the least interesting direction to take that particular sto- backstory. Yeah. Oh, he was secretly in love with her, and that's why he washed her out initially, and he felt guilty about it. So when she reapplied, he he let her back in. It had nothing to do with Jadzia. It had everything to do with Curzon, and he couldn't control himself. And it's like that's gross. I mean, you know, yeah. it's 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 an old man who is exercising. His his power over a woman in a way which is very very uh, just just kind of uh, not misogynist necessarily, it's, but it's it's. I mean, like, because because I would say like the episode doesn't really condone him doing that. You know, it is an example of it doesn't, but at the same time, it makes Curzon out to be someone that I don't necessarily like anymore. Well, I I think. Part of this episode is spent taking Curzon down from the pedestal because from everything we've known yeah. about Curzon, you know, Cisco looked up to him. Everybody loved him. He was the guy with the big easy smile. He liked to party. He had fun. You know, he was, you know, formidably smart. You know, he you know he liked women. He liked drinking. You know, he liked staying up again. You know, that's Curzon. And he every- likes Tranya. I noticed. I wrote that down as a note. Um, you know, Curzon is the big party guy, and we really haven't heard much bad about him. The worst that we knew about Curzon was that episode where he found out that he had the affair with the, uh, the general's wife. Yeah. Um. Yeah, all the way back in the first season. And even that, we are total. we are okay with forgiving from, have, from having seen that episode. Yeah. You know, it yeah. was maybe not the right thing to do but it's not something that you know we would consider and here is people you know here is even cisco is you know in this episode says like look you know he could be stubborn if you know if you if you crossed him he could be horrible you know curzon could be a bit of an asshole and we're you know that that function of his personality i mean this episode makes it clear that curzon could be a little douchey yeah and I mean, he's someone, you know, from what we learn about him in this episode and, and, you know, he's someone who wanted to get his way. Yeah. And and he was going to run roughshod over you in whatever way he thought was going to work. And, you know, most times people, you know, Cisco yeah. even says as much that most times he let people let him get away with it because he was so charming. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, that's there are, gen, you know, there are a lot of people like that. And this is a I mean, I think it's again, I don't think the episode agrees with 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 his behavior whether or not they should have picked something more different for the audience for the audience's yeah. benefit that's 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 a different different question in a way 
but I guess you know talking about it, I, it 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 doesn't necessarily strike me as something that is supposed to be creepy. But the fact that he did wash Jadzia out because he was secretly in love with her is another example of this episode taking the least interesting path. Yeah. In the same way that Duran just being a crazy sociopath for five yeah, yeah, minutes yeah. is the least interesting path. You know, I, I wish that they would have come up with another dark secret. You know, and it also raises questions about, like, how the hell could these memories actually be something that, that Jedzia Dax doesn't realize? I mean, there's there's questions about that as well. Like, how how is how is the Dax symbiont hiding this stuff? I, I don't know. It's, I it's, mean, I also wonder what degree... Uh, she does kind of figure that because she doesn't seem yeah, exactly. She doesn't seem that surprised by it. I mean, granted, as a, a, a as you know, somebody who's been watching the series, you know, I wasn't surprised by that. It kind of made sense, but you, well, yeah, I also let it slip once. Maybe it did. Okay, um, but you know, I, I think from Jadzia's point of view, you know, she has had you know Curzon's thought patterns, you know, in she's had access to them and so if she didn't consciously know that you know actually yeah that makes sense you know i know the kind of woman that he would have fallen in love with and yeah. you know i can you know and i mean the way she eventually convinces him in that you know back in i don't know it's it doesn't i i, I think maybe it is possible that but but then again here we are you know, headcanoning this, and that's kind of the... Yeah, that's kind of the problem with it. Yeah. Although, you know, I leaving that aside, I, I do like, uh, I don't know, let's call them Odo-san? I don't know what you would call them, but I, I like the mixture of the two. I like the fact that it's not completely Curzon Curdo. and not Curdo. Not, I like I like Curdo. It's not completely Odo. It's not completely yeah. Curzon. And I, I think that this is the one part of the episode that really makes sense and really does work well as intended because, you know, it, it Odo is a very controlled person. Odo is someone who doesn't like to yeah. be seen ever as as out of control or, or, or not at his best. And he's very, very private as well. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't like to shapeshift in front of people, you know, unless he really has to. He doesn't like to go into his gelatinous state yeah. unless he really has to. And so... I think it make you know because I think that that you could make a criticism of this episode as saying, well, why would Odo go along with this? And I think that's the wrong way to look at it. I think you have to say, why wouldn't Odo go along with yeah. this? You know, he's in a sense drunk. I mean, he <laughs> he has a personality in his head that is so fun loving, is so interesting to people, is so charming. And for the first time in his life, Odo is getting the sense of what that feels like. Yeah, and I think he's just overwhelmed with it. And, and he's, he's frankly fr- and he's, he's making a bad choice. You know, yeah, but he's um. And also Curzon is wholeheartedly embracing Odo and and understanding and being okay with, you know, in a way, this is a second personality who is not a changeling. Yes. Who is making Odo feel okay about himself. Yeah, that's very true. And then also I think as well that, that, you know, it's, it, both of them, I think, respect each other in a certain sense, you know, and also that at the end of the episode where Odo says that Curzon, he, he also appreciated Curzon because he finally understood, you know, the joys of eating. Yeah. The joys of drinking, yeah, yeah. the joys of staying up all night, and all of these kind of things, and I think that's going to have an effect on Odo probably yeah. down the road a little bit, you know. And I like it. I think, and I think also that that it's nice that Jedzia doesn't really hold it against him. You know, no, it's just kind I, of like we, I get it, you know. Yeah, because again, she's you know, this episode has established again, even even Ben, even Cisco, 
you know, went along with, you know, crazy ideas. I mean, in very literal, you know, this is a science fiction take on, you know, you have that friend who gets you into trouble, you know, and yes. he just, he just comes over, you know, you're going to you know, end up hungover and, you know, having a bad time and possibly arrested. But, you know, he's <laughs> just so damn fun that, you know, all right, we'll do this, you know. Would Odo arrest himself if that happened? Probably. Uh, I guess the other thing to talk about is the Nog subplot, which I don't know that there's much to say about it, but I do want to acknowledge it because it's another building block on the road to Nog going off to Starfleet Academy. Yeah. It's another interesting way for the show to uh, uh, put Rom in a position where he has to stand up to his brother again. And I think also in the same way that Jedzia has to stand up to Curzon, the two plots actually do come together pretty nicely. And, you know, I, I think... I'm happy with it. I don't know. Do you like the direction that Nog is going? You know, I, I... I don't know if I would necessarily make a huge deal about Nog. Like, I think when we talk about Nog, it's more me following your lead. Possibly because, you know, now Nog is really just kind of starting to come into his own. So, yeah. you know, you knowing where he goes, you know, into this and what eventually becomes of him... uh when you're giving me for the audience at home, Eric's giving me certain significant looks. <laughs> there, there's an episode uh, later on that's pretty, yeah. Well, and and the listeners out there will know which one I'm talking about. Well, not all of the listeners. Some of them are like me. That's true. Some of them are like you. <laughs> yeah, I think it's fine. And I like, I like, I actually think that it's not as important. The story, the Nog story, is not as important for Nog as it is for Rom. Okay. I really like what they're doing. Yeah. With Rom. No, no, like, no. This I know is you like, didn't really this... like him before, but I think he's but starting to come into his own as well. That's it. Because I mean, the entire point of Rom's character is starting to be getting, you know. The, the 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 Ferengi meta plot, if you will, um, has been about Fre- for Ferengus being a very stratified and very codified society, um, and Ferenginar. Stop making up things. Um, and, and, and it's about, you know, people beginning to break out of the roles that have been societally determined for them. And yeah. so, you know... Yeah, Rom is, you know, nothing in the in the beginning, but because he, you know, he needs somewhere to go, you know. So he, you know, this series is very comfortable with giving its characters major personality changes as it goes, you know. Yeah. Having yeah. them grow and develop, and I like that. It's, again, something that we saw a little bit of in Next Generation, but it can't do it as in as this is a much more sophisticated version of that. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the season finale, The Adversary. Now, this was an episode. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Odo killed a changeling. Oh, yeah, you know. That's not going to be great for him. Oh, I mean, I, I especially because, you know, not only did he break the, you know, changeling has never harmed another rule, Um, he's also broken his personal code where... I mean, he says in this this episode, I've never fired a weapon or killed somebody in the line of duty. I mean... He's Batman. Yeah, you know, and so, yeah, not only did, you know, he broke two very major thresholds half by accident. It's ambiguous to what degree, you know. I I don't think that Odo intended to kill that changeling. No, but but at the same time, he... It happened. Yeah. But also, I think that, you know... I don't know. There's a there's an element to this episode which I really appreciate because it shows the the um 
the the hypocrisy of of the changelings. Frankly, you know they they talk a good game. They say that one no changeling yeah. has ever harmed another. But when push comes to shove, the guy is hurting Odo. Yeah, I mean, and you know it's no sort of no. Like, I know what is that? What last... does that mean? Exact harm? Like you know? I mean, I know last week. You know, we we were talking about the, you know the one changeling you know dressed as the Romulan made that technology available and that was a very muddled ambiguous case you know i think we came on different sides of it but this one is even further down the line because even though you know this changing is not going to personally stab odo or shoot him or anything he is doing directly something that will cause him to be killed and uh and i think that in a very real way this says something very big about the difference between the dominion and the federation because the Federation, as portrayed in in all of the many many episodes and movies yeah. that we've seen so far, you know the, the original series, the animated series, the move, the, the original yeah. series movies, you know the the Next Generation, and now the first three seasons of Deep Space Nine. While Deep Space Nine is 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 at the crunchier edges of the Federation, let's say, it is still the Federation. Yeah. You know, we, I mean, we had you know past tense parts one and two a few weeks ago that is about as earnest. Uh, yeah, in a, in a depressing way, but but it is it is an earn it is still an earnest you know take on on the future and how it can be better, right? Yeah, and if you look at the the whole thing about changelings not harming one another, but at the same time, as we saw a couple weeks ago in the Dias cast with the the Romulan changeling looking for the loophole to hurt Odo. In this episode, the changeling is hurting Odo, not necessarily permanently or killing him, but still, they yeah. are very willing to find loopholes in their own you know, high ideals to get around them. Whereas the Federation, and, that, and that, I think that probably spills over into the way that the entire Dominion is structured and governed. Yeah. Whereas in a very real way that the Federation is the exact opposite of that. You know, they the Federation sets up rules and very, very explicitly uh, is, is, we've seen Picard time and time again not taking the loophole. Yeah. And so I like the and fact that... And even when he does take the loophole, it's very carefully considered it's very and the consequences are dealt with and it's also he's taking the loophole in a sense to uphold the the spirit yes. of the prime directive or the spirit of whatever you know order he's violating yeah. well, whereas the dominion and the changelings i think are very hypocritical and 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 just you know they're they don't seem to think that the rules apply to them well, in a very real way i would say it's it's not so much that they think that the don't think the rules apply to them. It's just they're the one, you know, they're, they're the, the ones making the rules. Yeah, exactly. You know, they, you, the, you know, you joked, uh, can you know, would Odo arrest himself? Well, you know, and I said, yeah, oh, you know, Odo probably would because you know he does, but a changeling wouldn't arrest themselves. You know, I mean, and yes, you know, because they think that they can do no wrong. Well, you know, that's it. The, the Dominion is a top down organization in a way. There are the founders. There are the changelings. There are you know, the shapeshift, whatever you want to call them. They are at the top. They are making the rules. They are determining the policy. They are structuring their quadrant and ultimately the entire galaxy towards their whims. And so, you know, if they break one of their own rules, well, who's going to punish us? You know, we, 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 we as the ones who are on, who dominate the Dominion, we created the rules, and so if we need decide situationally, we need to alter one of them. That's that's our call. The Federation, you know, while the Federation is largely, you know, is an Earth headquartered organization, um, is largely, you know, composed of humans, is not, in, you know, is not run by humans for humans, right? And 
you know, it, it's well. Also, I would say that that you know, the, there's another difference there, which is that the Federation is not Starfleet, and so the way that we understand yes. the Federation in large part is through Starfleet because that's, that's fair. what all of Star Trek is about, essentially. But but you know, it, 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 it's probably more accurate to say that Starfleet is a primarily human okay. organization. In fact, the Federation probably is. That's fair. But you know, either way, but at the same time it's not like we can say you know okay well it's you know not a human organization but it's a vulcan organization you know no like the the different members of the federation you know it's the the rules are equal because it is designed to kind while we are seeing in deep space nine where the cracks in that are yeah um the intent of the federation is kind of to bring everybody to a certain you know high level yeah yeah i think so rather and the focus of the Dominion is to keep everybody but the changelings on a low level, right? Because they are they are uh, they're they're they feel they have moral superiority from the fact that they were once persecuted. Well, they're protecting their own they're protecting their own power and their own superiority um, through through very very yeah destructive means and very very hypocritical means, frankly. And the Federation does not do that. You know, but the, the 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 thing that I like about this episode in particular is that it raises the stakes in an interesting way because it it does fully engage with the idea of what would you actually be in threat by by a, a, a galactic you know government that was run by shapeshifters. Yeah, I mean this you know that this episode reveals that. The feder, you know that at least you know the federation is fucked in a real way. Yeah, like I mean, the second you introduce shapeshifters, you know that you're inevitably going to deal with these shapeshifters are replacing people. That's one of the logical endpoints of that. So I knew this particular plot would be happening. That doesn't make it any less scary than it is. Yeah. You know, this is a very it's horrifying. Frankly. This is a very paranoid episode. Like. You know, yeah, it feels it feels like one of those like seventies like conspiracy yeah, thrillers in a the way. Angles are weird. There are a ton of scenes. I, I loved this. A ton of scenes that cut away a second or two after you think they should. Yeah, with like a person just like giving a weird look, and it and, and it's just like, is that are they the changeling? Is that there's is there only one changeling on this ship? You know, is yeah. There, it's not. It's not just the characters in the episode that are paranoid. The, yeah. the show, as it's constructed in a very real way, is also wanting to make the episode or the the, the audience feel paranoid. Yeah, as well. which is you know the absolute right <laughs> decision. Oh, yeah. I think because um, yeah, in terms, I mean, in terms of uh, of you know plot, this was a very tense thriller episode, and I liked it. I, I do think that that I do have to engage with the one big plot hole in the episode that always does bother me, though. Sure. And I'm not usually someone that cares that much about plot holes, but the entire events of the episode that could have fundamentally altered the balance of power in the quadrant, where the Federation almost started a war with the uh, Zenkithi, okay, is predicated on the idea that Cisco never verified the orders that the ambassador gave him. Well, and that yeah. like an, an ambassador shows up, no one really verifies his identity in any real way. Uh, so he makes up a coup. Cisco doesn't like send a message to Starfleet headquarters. No one verifies the yeah. orders. It's, it's not. I mean, partially, maybe it's implied that these are. I mean, I think I feel like Picard at one point got orders that were verbal and, you know, not to be confirmed with anybody else, you know, 
uh, or that were so you know double secret that you know if he anybody he would call it into wouldn't know or maybe taken by the coup. I do. Oh, but well, I think- well, 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 that was, yeah, that was my thing. I misread the. Um, so the Netflix description, you know, has only the first 30 seconds of any episode. Right. It says, you know, reveals there had been a coup, and I thought it would, you know, was coup in the Federation. But, um, you know, one of these days, I'm surprised they didn't write, you know, you know, Jake tries champagne. You know, <laughs> Cisco doesn't like him. That's what happens in this episode. Somebody should recut uh, some, some like, Mad Men-style DS9 <laughs> previews. Uh, when they famously did not give any information away. It was basically, like, people opening and closing doors and picking up phones and saying hello. hello. Yeah. <laughs> And giving each other weird looks. Um, yeah, I, yeah, but I think that it is a problem. Yeah. And it would have been so easily fixed by not having the ambassador be an ambassador. Like, if it was an admiral, I wouldn't have questioned it. Do you know? So it's like... Uh, wait, he wasn't... Oh, he wasn't an, an He was an admiral. ambassador. Like, he wasn't in uniform. He was explicitly oh. called ambassador. Okay, see, I misunderstood. I maybe misheard that. Yeah, no, that makes complete sense. Because, yeah, you're right. Because I figured if he's an admiral, he can do that, you know. And this is Cisco's first time as captain, so... I don't know if they're trying to make a point that, you know, Cisco's maybe slightly naive just because he's – this is his first job in Campton Rank and he doesn't quite know the protocol of Captain Security. I don't know. But I, I, I don't of, feel like that's where they're going with him. Yeah. I kind of feel like it's less about Cisco being naive or not as experienced and more about maybe trying to make a point that the Federation is naive in a way. Like, mm. because we've talked about this in the past where the Federation Starfleet is very much a, a culture in a, in a society which assumes the best of everyone, assumes that everyone is, is taken at face value, that no one is yeah. lying to you mostly, right? And so I guess you could be saying that that's probably a problem in a universe where shapeshifters are, like, taking people over and replacing people. And that this is probably never going to happen again. But the fact of the matter is they they went off half-cocked on a completely made-up story. No one verified it. And it almost ended in a huge interstellar war starting. And and I mean, one of of the other things about that is – well, thank God this particular crew managed to figure it out in the nick of time. Yeah. And yes, maybe, you know, the changeling try, will try this on another ship and, you know, it will, but there will be a crew that this, this works on, you know, and I guess that's what, you know, is nervous about that because it is. Very- yeah. I mean, what if it's like, you know, the, the USS Lexington or whatever from a couple weeks ago that are just like on a survey mission and they're not the best of the best. Yeah. They're, you know, somebody shows up and, you know. Yeah. I mean, you know, this it, is the, you know, t- I mean, hell, what if I mean, not to say that this actually happens, it no. doesn't happen. But like, you know, what if a what if a shapeshifter takes Picard over, you know, yeah. and replaces Picard? I mean, you know, there are very real situations where this yeah. is, like, you know, this could be a real problem. Yeah, it's true. And I mean, here we have another, you know, alien species that we've never really heard of before that. No, I don't think we've ever we're heard We're on of the before. brink of war with. I mean, I feel like we mentioned World War One at one point. But, you know, the galaxy is seeming more and more like precarious as, as the episodes go on. Um, and But I think also more than that, I think that it's probably not as important that the universe feels like it's on the brink of war all the time, but that the changelings know how to well, really that's it. That's work the it. system. Like, they, you know... They really, if this plan worked, it would, it took them one guy right. to, you know, do this. That's like, and it doesn't even seem like he, you know, worked that hard to, you know, make this plan work. So, you know, if this had got it, you know, the Federation and the, you know, Zen Kethi would have been decimated and, you know, 
destabilized and the, you know, changelings would barely have to do anything. I mean, I think it's really interesting that the changelings are very good at getting other people to do their work for them. Yes. And not only that, but they're very good at weakening their enemies without really having to weaken themselves in any real way. You know, well, because, exploiting their enemies' weaknesses. Well, yeah, I mean, they've already taken out the Tel Shiar and the Obsidian Order. You know, that's going to that's going to hurt both the Romulan and the Cardassian empires. Yeah, uh, and now they're trying to fuck with the Federation. I yeah. mean, and they're they're not going to give up, right? I mean, no. they're not. I mean, the season four is not, uh, uh, you know, the station blowing up and them all going off in the Defiant and starting to. Um, you know, the, the, the Dominion threat is taken care of in the first episode yeah. and they all just kind of go off and merrily start exploring the galaxy again. I mean, that's obviously not going to happen. Yeah. Like so, I said, I don't know if they solved, you know, if the Dominion plot stretches through the series finale or, you know, if it, but I it, think it's interesting you say that because how could it not? I don't know because it could, you know, it could, I mean, it's not going to end in the next season, but like, it's the kind of thing where it could end in season six and then season seven would be you know, final, you know, fixing the treaty between Bajor and Cardassia, for example, finishing up the Emissary and Prophet's plot lines and, like, that kind of business. Um, this is not Babylon 5. Y- yeah, yeah, so, um, okay. I mean, you you know, it, yeah, we'll just have to see where it goes. I don't know that I necessarily want to say yeah. anything about that. But, yeah, and and I don't know, on the actual small level of the episode with the different characters coming in and out, you know, I think it's interesting that, um, you know, from the Dias cast, Eddington, you know, he's now yeah. like a real character. Like, he's appeared, like, I think three times, and so now we have to actually pay attention to him. And he's somebody that, like, I think the episode, this episode in particular, wants you to not trust, like, goes out of his way. Yeah. Like, the well, thing- remember, he did sabotage the ship in the Dias cast. Yeah, but he is so by the book and in a way that's understandable. I mean... He's, you know, I would say while he sabotages the ship in the Dias cast, he also doesn't really try to hide it, you know, the second that he... No, he doesn't. You know, and I mean, like, that scene where he's talking to Cisco and he's saying, you know, well, you know, I care about rank and, you know, I think, you know, and he's sucking up and Cisco knows he's sucking up. Like, that's an interesting scene because, it, it you know, it's, while this guy is, again, he's... Yeah, you know, probably just as douchey as Curzon is, with less, <laughs> and less charming. And Cisco knows it, but he also kind of recognizes that. Look, this guy though is very loyal to Starfleet and does you know want what's best for Starfleet and for his career. And you know, yeah. But he's not going to do anything evil. He's not going to you know that kind of a thing. Yeah, I mean certainly, and I think that that you know, I think it's more interesting. He doesn't really do much in this episode. Yeah. And I think it's more interesting because. This is a character I think that again we've only seen three times, and in the second appearance he, you know, he sabotaged the ship essentially, and and nobody trust, you know, basically he like wiped away all his trust, but he's still there because yeah. nobody can really say anything against him because he was actually following orders from up the chain of command, and so, and and then I think in this episode you realize that you know. I think that's in that scene is interesting in particular, not only because Cisco realizes that Eddington is trying to suck up to him, but also because I think in a very real way, Eddington knows that he's outside now. Yeah. Like he's never going to be like one of in, in the trusted inner circle. Yeah. Well, you know, he's, he's, he's not someone that anyone is necessarily going to distrust because he, like you said, he is still a Starfleet well, officer. He is still very loyal to the chain of command. He is still very devoted to the Starfleet and the Federation, but 
he's not going to be showing up at Cisco's for dinner. I think what's interesting is that in general, the franchise has made it clear that yes, while the, you know, the spirit of the law is more important than the letter in a lot of things. Um, and, the character, you know, Picard, Kirk, Cisco, everybody that we, you know, follow and agree with um, is willing to break the rules when there is a higher reason to. Eddington doesn't seem like he's ever going to break the rules because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. I, I, I think he is purely, you know, for using D&D alignments, he is lawful. He is lawful good and he can't imagine, you know, for him breaking a rule – going against the chain of command is the wrong thing to do. And I think Star Trek I guess wants the, us to not blindly follow rules because that's wrong. Yeah. But then I guess the question is, why is the character there? Like, do you think he's just there to remind us of that? I mean, so far, I guess, yeah. I mean, but, you know, but they did, you know, yeah. why they cast the actor. I don't know if they have plans for him in season four or anything, but... You know, it is it is interesting having a character who isn't in this inner circle and who probably never will be. Yeah, yeah. So we talked a lot about the changelings, but we didn't talk that much about Odo. And I think that this is a really, I don't know, Odo's not having a great year, I guess, in a way. <laughs> like, and it's only going to get worse the more changelings they deal with. Well, yeah, and uh, I think that he really has to reckon with the fact that he now killed a changeling. I mean, there are yeah. going to be repercussions to that. Oh, so many. They're they're going to be very upset with him. I and mean, I think, he's but, not going to be able... The next time he's dealing with a changeling, he's not going to be able to talk himself out of this one, you know, because there have been, you know, Heart of Stone, you know, for example, that yeah. you know, the changeling let him go at the end. You know, that's not going to happen next time. Well, he's mean. he's really on a, on a on in a real sense, his line of demarcation has been made irrevocable yes. at this point. Yeah, you know, yeah, he, there is no going home. And also, I just I love how well Rene Aubergenois plays that scene because he's obviously horrified by what he's done. Yeah. He's horrified by seeing a changeling die. Yeah, I mean, in a very real sense, I think that there was a question of whether or not changelings could die yeah i mean the the first mirror universe episode where that version of odo is killed to me that implied like yes it yeah can that's happen, true yeah. but um you know this is the first time someone in the prime universe number one has happened to that let's stay away from prime universe oh oh no is there a reason that because they call that now because of like the whole jj thing I just, oh i don't like it okay uh not anything to do with you or anything else i just you know oh i no, i didn't know if that was a spoiler like, no 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 um yeah and how horrifying is it to watch that changeling die i mean that yeah. was a really cool effect but it was oh i mean the 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 i i liked what the changeling reveal was was creepy as hell you know and it just like suddenly like just jumps into the vent yeah huh. yeah also i think that it's interesting that you know it's just very well constructed because as you said, the whole episode is a little off kilter, but they do find ways in which to advance. I think the story and advance kind of, I think maybe a direction forward for how they're going to approach this because they hit on the idea of the whole blood test thing. And, you know, on the one hand, I think it's interesting because they're not, this crew is not perfect. Like I'm watching this and in, in, in hindsight, it's easy to say, well, they should have blood tested Bashir first because he's the one that's testing everyone else. Yeah. But they're not thinking straight. And that's probably what the changelings are are best yeah. at is they're 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 able to make 
people that are at the top of their game act like they're not. And that's yeah, a little alarming. But they're very good at misdirecting because, you know, everyone did think because of the way the situation was set up. It was either Kira Sisko or that the the blue dude. Um, the blue dude. You know, you know, they they made the point to say, you know, oh well, anybody who's by themselves, they might be the changelings. So those were the only three who were by themselves. Bashir wasn't by himself. True. You know, so they think he's above suspicion. They don't even think about the possibility that he was a changeling the whole time because you know. Well, Which he was. Yeah, because, you know... Well, not that he was a changeling the whole time, but that he was replaced before they even knew a changeling was there. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, you know... So, obviously, people were interacting with... I mean, people were interacting with Bashir, quote-unquote, several times through that episode. So well, the like episode... How, you know, the, I mean... The episode makes it clear that that the changeling Bashir is the one that gave the report about Dax's condition to the bridge. Yeah. You know, and so it, that happened pretty early on in the episode. So, yeah. we, we don't know exactly when Bashir was replaced, but it was pretty early on. Yeah. Cer- um, certainly... Uh, the the first time that O'Bri- when O'Brien sees yes, him, yes. That, that's the changeling. And I mean, from an audience perspective, you know, I would say, you know, it fooled me because he already was Bashir. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, we, we the, you, you, during that scene, it very obviously was a changeling that, you know, or very obviously wasn't Bashir, you know, that we're dealing with, you know, sure, but... Um, but then again, I don't know. Maybe that's just hindsight talking. I don't know that it's no, no, time. No, no, my, my literal note that I wrote was, well, that's not Bashir, you know, yeah, okay, because um, just the framing of the scene. But I don't think that scene... I'll choose to believe that. Okay. Um, I wasn't fooled the first time, but I was fooled the second time. And finally, Cisco is a captain. Yeah. So that happened. So like I said, Captain Cisco a couple of times and everyone yelled at me. But now, you know, I was right the whole time. You weren't right the whole time. He was a commander for the first three years. Look, shut up. No. No, when I say like you know the captains of Star Trek, like I think the I think the thing that I like best about this episode is O'Brien like big, giving a big fuck you to Picard, like indirectly. Oh, when he's because uh, he's like the newest and best captain in Starfleet. Uh, 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 and I actually uh, uh, wrote down like, geez, O'Brien, like oh, I guess you really don't like Picard very much. Listen, man, you know Picard, you know didn't give him the promotion that Cisco did. That is true. Yeah, but of course O'Brien is kind of miserable on Deep Space Nine. I don't know if he's miserable on Deep Space Nine. He's not. I mean, compared to how, you know, what his life was on, you know, the Enterprise. Yes, he has a better position. Yes, he's doing more interesting things. But there was a lot less shit to deal with. I mean, he and Bashir have a wonderful romance. He's going to be, like, tortured every week, everyone tells me. Yeah, well, you know, O'Brien is the everyman of the show. And as we all know. Every men get tortured. Yep. Well, I guess we'll just have to see where this goes, won't we? No. No? Okay. All right. Well, if you have any thoughts on either of the episodes we just discussed, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at truckaboutshow.com. Please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash truckaboutshow, and please support the show monetarily if you feel so inclined. We would appreciate it, and thank you to all of our patrons. Our social media username, where you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, is truckaboutshow. And finally, as always, please leave us a positive iTunes review. As we said last week, it has been a little while since we've gotten one, and we would really like to get another one. They make us feel good. Next week, we meet an old friend in the way of the warrior. Is it the outrageous Akana? Yes. He becomes a main cast member in season four. Oh, that's great. 
He is what we'd call a rogue. We'll see you then.